Today is Friday, November 10th, 2017. And on this episode of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with Central Live about their new album they just came out with called Greater. You're listening to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in church creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. I'm Nick Goodner. And I'm Ross Montgomery. This week's episode is sponsored by SundaySocial.tv. Sunday Social creates social media graphics for churches for $9 a month. You can get at least one new social media graphic each day that will help your church reach more people, increase engagement on social media, and they're beautifully designed and scheduled so that each day's graphic is always the perfect thing to post. You'll get more likes, more comments, more retweets, and more shares. Each image comes in four different formats for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as a blank version so you can add your own custom text to your graphics. $9 a month gets you unlimited downloads and instant access, so go and sign up at sundaysocial.tv. Okay, all right, so here's the deal. <laughs> Creative Church Podcast listeners, if you have not finished Stranger Things 2, first off, shame on you. Second, do not listen to any more of this podcast because we're about to get, actually, no, you can listen to more of this podcast. Just skip this part right here because we're going to get into some deep Stranger Spoilers, Things. Spoilers, sweetie. Yes. yes. Spoiler alert. Yes, we will. Okay. Ross, what did you think about the overall experience of Stranger Things 2? I enjoyed it immensely. I mean, I have a couple little things where I was like, oh, you know, I can I can probably pick apart if I wanted to. But overall, I loved it. I, I experienced the same thing on my viewing. Um, there were a few things that I think we can get into those, right? Oh, absolutely. What, did, what, did, what were the things that you didn't like about Stranger Things 2? So the things I didn't like was... Um, it almost felt like the relationship between, uh, Jonathan and Nancy was a little forced in how Mm -hmm. they were trying to make that happen. I'm totally fine with them being together, whatever you want to say, like however that progression was, I was fine with the progression, how they got there felt a little forced. Anytime I think you need to add another character to put two and two, two people together. I think that's a, that's a ground for a horrible relationship. And that's what they did with this. And I, I, I feel the same way about their relationship being way too forced. Yeah, because I loved the development of Steve, like how he just kind of came into his own in this season. I love that. Babysitter Steve. Huh? Yes. Babysitter Steve. Yes. Babysitter. <laughs> the Babysitter Club meme <laughs> was hilarious. But yes. no, absolutely. Like he totally, div- like his character grew and progressed and I loved it. Like I loved Steve in, in this season. And uh, what else was another thing that you felt was a little bit off for? The other thing that kind of season. took me out of it for a second. And I'm with everybody who has finished the season in agreeing that Bob is an American hero because mm. that I just love Sean Astin as an actor and he did great in this role. But I think the the death scene was a little gratuitous. Like, I feel like they just didn't need to spend that much time on it, to be honest. I know that was what they meant to be the, the vehicle for um, Joyce to kind of move forward, forward with where her character was going, especially with how she was handling Will and everything uh, towards the end of the season. I, I just feel like you didn't really need to hang out there that long. Like, it just felt like it kept going. And going, I'm like looking at my watch. Okay, are are we? Is Bob dead yet? Are we good to go? Like I get the emotional pull to leading up to this moment, but uh, let's move on. Yes, you know. And 
Yeah, they did. They spent way too much time on Bob's death, and then it, they they had to come back afterwards. I feel like and really make you feel his impact on the group. And I don't know. Th- to me, like I said, Bob is an like you said, Bob is an American hero, and he always will be. Um, you know, for the next foreseeable Halloweens, I'm going as Bob. <laughs> you know, because you know he's my hero. I have I have his poster. You know, oh, I replaced my Barb poster with him. So yeah. Um. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. What what was what were some of the things that you know you really loved about this season? I have come into a big appreciation for how they ended it, and we can go into detail on that. And the character of Billy. What meant most to you about them ending it? That they didn't they didn't make promises they won't be able to keep. Because mm. I again, I'm one of those people. I will watch the the behind the scenes or the beyond Stranger Things on Netflix that they have and hearing them talk about how they kind of got ahead of themselves with season one on kind of leaving these open-ended things with Will spitting up the slug, which we find out is the Demogorgon baby, um, Mm -hmm. to leaving waffles in a box for 11 and how that progresses. Like they had to tie up those loose ends within the first couple of episodes of this season. So they could have probably done a lot more with making the season its own rather than trying to have to kind of tie up these loose ends. So the way they ended it and I, and I heard again through that um, beyond stranger things, I believe that's where I heard it is they started with knowing that they were working their way to that snowball dance. Mm -hmm. They knew that that was where it was going to end, but they also knew that they just wanted to have it be something where it's like, obviously teasing the next season. Cause I don't know if people know, but they're approved through season four, at least on Netflix. And so they had to tease the next season, still have kind of that pull to be like, Oh, what's going to happen next. And, you know, in my interpretation, it's that right now the upside down is exactly parallel with reality and they're starting to affect each other. Mm. And so, but again, again, they're not making promises they can't keep, you know, another big thing that happened this week, um, that I, I kind of want to get into because, you know, we're both Star Wars fans on this podcast. I mean, if you're kind of wondering where we're what, what, what we're doing here, um, each week we, we, we start off our podcast with a little bit of recap because me and Ross don't get to talk all the time during the week. <laughs> so this is what we do to kind of introduce the Creative Church podcast. You know, this is kind of... There are flies on a wall into our just catching up. Right, right, yeah. There flies on the wall, and you know this really embodies the behind the scenes of all that is Creative Church. So, um, you know, welcome, welcome to our behind the scenes look. Um, another big thing that happened this week was Star Wars released a TV spot. They did, did you see that? I did. Oh my gosh! What, 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 what are your? I know I have thoughts, but what are your thoughts? <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. I, you know, I've got to say, and and I'm just going to touch on this just purely for anecdotal, um, my my opinion here, um. So I, I also watched Thor Ragnarok this weekend. Oh, me too. And it Did was phenomenal. Fun. But I don't think the trailers matched the movie. I don't think they did the movie justice um, because I had this very different expectation from the trailers. And then when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, this is a lot different than I thought it was going to be in a good way. With that said, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into the trailers because obviously they're trying to pull it a bunch of different heartstrings with Leia and with Kylo and all this stuff. And so I think there's a little bit of emotion manipulation going into that. But I will say, and you always know there's spoilers in the marketing with Luke being on each side of the marketing. It does make me wonder. And what Ross is talking about there is the theaters got their big promos, cardboard promos 
for the movie. And um, Luke is on both sides, both the dark and the light side of these cardboard promos. And uh, it was at my theater this week when I went to watch Thor. And I, I here's what my thoughts are. Okay. First off, Luke stepping onto the Millennium Falcon and um, everything lighting up. That hurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, and that's the thing. I, I, who knows if he's the one that did that that's you know i'm always going to play the ad- devil's advocate there <laughs> physical like physical emotion came to my heart like that's how that was it was like that was like Han's not there anymore mm. and Luke didn't get to see Han before he died. And now I was like, Oh my God, that hurt so bad. But the second thing is, and I want to point this out at the end of the trailer, Luke goes, um, he says, this will not end how you expect. Mm. I think that's about the and truest thing that the, tra- that the trailer said. <laughs> and he's laying on the ground and, um, you pan up, supposedly you pan up They're in the rain and Ray goes into attack, attack position. And I think that honestly, Ray might kill Luke. Luke. Ooh, hot take. So I, I did a hot take, hot, hot take there. Um, and I've watched the trailer now 18 times, so <laughs> I'm addicted. I have, a, I have a serious problem. It's totally okay. Well, uh, we, we better get this show along. All right. Well, with all that said, up next is trending. Each week, we gather a few different articles and news stories that are impacting culture, churches, and creators, and we discuss them. This week, however, things are a little bit different. This segment by nature is supposed to be thought-provoking, light, and funny. However, in light of recent events, we wanted to discuss them solely. And of course, I'm talking about the shooting that happened yesterday in Sutherland Springs, Texas, at a small rural First Baptist Church. And for those of you who aren't maybe caught up, um, on Sunday, November 5th, we're recording this on November 6th, so when we say yesterday, we're just one day out from this tragic news. Um, a gunman targeted and opened fire on First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, which is near San Antonio, uh, killing 26 people at the time of this recording. Um, the victims ranged from ages 18 months to 77 years old. Those are the concrete facts at this time, at the time of this recording. However, as the week goes on, we may learn more. And uh, I want to start off the segment by saying... First of all, our hearts and our prayers go out to the family and the victims. The truth is, there's no answer for this senseless act. And I'm not going to take the time, and I don't think this is the appropriate time, to try and rationalize this event. So that's not what we're going to do. Rather, we want to let you know that we are praying for you, and we are there with you. Um, When anything happens in the church, it's always amazing to see the church rally around the people that are affected. I've been running Creative Church for two years. And this will be the sixth time I've had to make a graphic like this, write a post. And each each time there's the chance to become callous by it. And there's the chance to kind of just go, oh, another shooting. But I have to put myself in the mindset that this, these are actual people and they deserve to be honored and respected. And I know there's a lot of controversy right now in the church media space, if you keep up on that, on whether we should even be posting pray for graphics anymore. You know, I I see a lot of every time something like this happens, I see, you know, 11 or 12 articles about, you know, why do you even post pray for graphics? And uh, I want to encourage those who do post them, keep doing that because prayer always works. And a reminder for prayer, I I don't want to be on the side that that doesn't remind people to pray because we need to be praying for the people that are affected and praying for their families because they're going through a lot right now. So, and I would, I would even take it a step further. Like we need to pray 
that this violence is something that doesn't become normalized and that Mm -hmm. we will, again, as we're going to get to here in a moment, do something about. It's something that we cannot just take the onus off of things that we need to do and conversations that we need to have and and just say, well, our thoughts and prayers are with you and then move about and next week forget about it. And maybe in less than a month, we'll hear about another one and be discussing that all over again. We need to face this head on and pray about it in an active way, not just a, that's bad, because I don't want to minimize the humanity of this, that people were lost, families were stripped. I saw an article that said there were three generations of a family stripped in that moment. These, this couple no longer has grand, their children, their grandchildren, or their great-grandchildren with them because of this. Yes. And uh, if you follow Carlos Whitaker at all, um, he's going to be a guest on our podcast here soon. And uh, he posted, actually, they share their Facebook live feed every week. He posted about a minute of them meeting and greeting and you can see kids running around and it is just, oh, it just, it it rips, it rips my heart to pieces. I kind of wanted to talk about the day, Um, you know, at Creative Church, we feel like, you know, we've been given a platform and we need to respect that platform and uh, we're not going to get political. However, we do want to ask the question that I think all churches should be asking themselves right now. And that is, where do we go from here? And Ross and I are just hosts on a podcast, essentially. And we're going to talk about this and we're going to um, discuss it. You don't have to take anything that we say today as gospel. So the question that we're posing today is this, where do we go from here? And if we as churches are designed to be life-giving and life-light-giving, what part do we need to play into making changes? We have to remember as a church that we first need to be mourning with the people who have, who have been lost. We also need to be starting to pray for our own protection and for our church's protection, for our country's protection, and for our neighbor's protection. Um, I believe that the church is a living force, and it is on a dying planet, and it's the only thing living on this dying planet. And therefore, we need to be the ones that promote life in every situation. Um, I, you know, Ross and I have thoughts on guns uh, and what we think they should be used for. I don't think that we need to tell other people what we think about guns because that is going to divide people and turn people off of this podcast really quick. Well, I think we don't I think do you that. said it exactly the way it needs to be said. We need to promote life. Uh, the church needs to be the light. And, and showing people that there is abundant life in Christ. If we truly believe that, then we need to live that out. Faith, hope, and love, you know, Get, go back to those three. Um, look for how it, uh, maybe you individually or you as a church, uh, if you have some influence in your church and, and are in the conversations with your leaders, maybe just say, how can we show faith, hope, and love in this situation? Because, and not to get, you know, completely spiritual here, but our enemy does come and to kill to steal and destroy. Our Christ and our Savior has come so that we may have life and we may have more abundantly. And, you know, as an American, as a creator, as a creative, as a church creative, whatever you are, whoever you are listening to this podcast, if you're a Christian, then you should know this. You should be thinking about ways in everything, whether it's what you do uh, on Facebook, whether it's the conversations that you're having, you need to be thinking of how is this a life-giving conversation? How is this going to continue to promote what my Savior has promoted for myself? and for my neighbors and for my church. I think the the best way to change anything is to have a conversation. Not necessarily a conversation on Facebook. I don't think that's the right medium for conversations. It's unhealthy and it's it's just a bad platform because all you do, and I think you said this, I think it was you who said this. We sometimes get lost in our own echo. Whenever we're typing to people and we're talking to people on the internet, we're talking to ourselves in a room and all we're hearing is our own voice. And all that does is continue to fuel our opinions. It, it creates an environment that it's us against them. And as churchgoers, as believers, it is not us against them. We're all 
we're all on the same team. Christ came for all the world. He came that all may be saved, that all may know him. Anytime that a church, anytime a, a believer promotes separation, promotes division, you, get, you gotta get yourself in check because that's not the way we need to be walking out as Christians and not the way we need to be living our lives as Christians. And if you get into those conversations, I would say above all, look and, and, and even if you see a post on, on Facebook that makes you mad, above all else, look for the image of God in those people and have grace. So I think solidifying as to what we think the church needs to do next and as what we need to do as Christians and what we really need to be doing as creative church is continuing to foster community, is continuing to look for ways that we can connect with other people, really heal this divide because I, I think that our nation is, is, I think it's comfortable to say that's pretty divided right now. It's pro-gun and, you know, against guns. Um, you know, it's with her and with him, uh, even though the election has, has, has been, uh, has been over for a year. I mean, literally a year coming up this November 11th, you know, it's still, it's still a very divisive time for us. And it's, it's up to the church to start to rebuild and reheal the wounds of these past few years. We can't do that unless we're open to change and open to evaluate ourselves and then open to hear other people out. Again, our hearts and prayers go out to First Baptist Church in Southern Springs. We're with you. Our hearts and prayers go out, you know, to the people, the victims of the Vegas shooting as well. All these shootings that are in recent events, we're with you. We're praying with you and um, we love you. On that note, we'll go ahead and move into our interview for today. Central Live is the band out of Central Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. They recently did a live recording of their new album, Greater, this past summer. It is full of all original songs that this team has poured their hearts into. I had an opportunity to speak with Drew Bodine, the executive producer and worship leader. Going back to when this idea was birthed to do the live album, man, take me through everything from your motivation, inspiration, the idea you wanted to communicate with this album as a whole, writing the songs, what, you know, maybe what's some of the story yeah. behind that. A good friend of mine, his name's Doug Slayball. He um, really was the president of Purpose Driven Ministries. So when Rick Warren wrote his book, Purpose Driven Life, Doug's job was to help make sure that got packaged and sent all over the world. Also, the 40 Days of Purpose, which a lot of churches have probably gone through that. Doug facilitated what's called a strat-op for us. And that strat-op is basically a, a very intense couple of days where you're dreaming and you're talking about the future. And so we really worked um, in that or in that meeting. We, we really spent some time kind of dreaming up where God was leading us. So it actually started with vision. Uh, where does God want to take Central Live in the future? What is what are we ultimately about? And, and, and then once we kind of discovered what the vision was, then we figured out the strategy towards the next five to 10 years. So we, um, we had a lot of great conversations in there. And then we just said, you know, one thing that we really need to do, in fact, uh, one of those things was a concert outside of our church, which we said, let's do it on the strip. And so we rented this place called the Brooklyn Bowl. 2,500 people showed up that night. Um, it was a ticketed event, and it was so cool that we were just on Las Vegas Boulevard worshiping. And then um, the uh, we, we knew that one year later, we were going to come back around and write an album. Now, the interesting thing is, is over the last year, we have probably had like five, six tunes that we've been singing as a church, but we needed to write, we, we felt like 15 songs was the right length for this album. Um, I want to say we procrastinated a little too much. We wrote most of them like within the last couple of months uh, of the 15. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. It's been crazyville around my house and me personally, uh, but uh, it's, it's come together last minute. So that really started with vision, and then we just decided, you know what, 
because we really feel called to be a light to the world through our music, um, let's do this live album and let's capture this thing and get it out there. So aside from the time crunch to write the songs, has there been a, a challenging um, part of this whole process that uh, you really felt has brought the team closer? Uh, and what was that? Um, yeah, there's been a, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't try to over spiritualize things, but I also believe all things are spiritual, that there's constantly a battle between good and evil going on. And um you know, when my dad used to tell me as a kid, when you press against the darkness, the darkness will always push back. And um, this has been a really challenging thing for our team because, you know, we've kind of pushed ourselves to new heights and places that we've never gone before, just as far as our creativity, our songwriting, uh, the production for this night. And because of it, I really do believe the enemy has pushed back because we've really tried to be pushing ourselves to the next level. And so... Um, maybe not one specific thing, but a hundred specific th- or a hundred different things that have gone wrong uh, over the last couple of months, weeks, really leading up to the album. Just random stuff, like even today in rehearsal, like uh, a mic cable uh, at the drum kit just went bad. That never happens in services. It usually only happens when you are sound checking for the very first time. But it just right in the middle of a song, it just goes bad. Now I'm thankful it didn't happen during the experience tomorrow. But I know that's not a big deal. But when you have a hundred of those different things happening um it it can really stress you out my wife came in the other day to the studio she like my car battery's dead i'm like this could happen any other week of the year except for the week of our live album recording um so but the interesting thing is is we as a team just committed because september 8th is 9 8 uh that every day at 908 a.m and 908 p.m in fact a guy on our team we call him danger dave danger dave had this great idea let's pray every day at 908 a.m and p.m for god to do something great on this album and we've been praying like crazy and our churches rallied around this our groups and i personally believe like even with what's happened over the last couple of weeks with the challenges we've had if we wouldn't have been praying like crazy and depending on god in fact i told myself like this album might be good if it was just our talented team that we have here it will not be great without god it cannot be great without god and uh in fact the album title is greater it's all about him becoming greater so we have been depending on god through prayer and hopefully uh it was because of that prayer that we actually didn't have a ton of awful things happen over the last couple of months leading up but uh, it's definitely been challenging getting to this point favorite moment that you've 
created in this album. Mm. One of my favorite moments of the night is going to be at the end of a song uh, called Greater, which is the album title. Uh, my friend Shane is going to come up and he is going to play How Great Thou Art on the Sax. Uh, that would be the only non-original song of the night, but it's public domain, so <laughs> uh, we don't have to worry about that one. Anyway, uh, Shane's going to come up and play the melody of that song on the sax, and it's just, I don't know, it's a moment, especially if you've been around the church for a while. Another moment for me is a song called I Lift My Eyes. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, there was one song kind of missing from the album, a slow to mid-tempo song, and it was a specific night where some rain was coming to Vegas. We don't get here, rain here very often. And uh, I saw that it was raining outside in certain parts of the city. And I told my wife, um, hey, I'm going to run the grocery store. And on my way back, I'm going to just try to find some rain. And uh, so I ran out. And on my way home, as I'm coming up the hill, just rain starts pouring on my car. I mean, it's like when it pours in Vegas, it pours hard here. And all the water's rushing down the mountain. So um, as I was driving up near my house, and I live pretty close to the foothill of a mountain, um, there's lightning happening, and, and uh, I, I saw the lightning behind the mountain, and it just reminded me of God's power. In fact, immediately, my first thought was Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, where does my help come from, the maker of heaven and earth? And when I sing this song, I lift my eyes, I don't have the image of the mountains during the day like most people would think. My image of this song is that night in my car when it was flooding rain down and lightning striking behind the mountain. That was such a powerful moment for me to see that. And in my car right there at that moment, I wrote the chorus, I lift my eyes to the mountains. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And when I say I wrote that, I robbed the scripture <laughs> on that one. But anyway, yeah, that's where the melody of that song came from. And then the, the bridges and verses fell in after that. So that's going to be a, a moment for me tomorrow. people experience this live and maybe watch the experience, listen to the album on repeat, hopefully, yeah, uh, yeah. what are you wanting that through line to be that they walk away from that with? It's mm. a really good question. Um, you know, and maybe it's not a specific line, but I think overall, like when we write, I really, I have a passion for people who are far from God. I have a lot of friends who don't know God. Um, and uh, it's challenging for me when I invite them to church and they constantly decline even for something like this it's like you're my friend like just show up and support me like you know but uh, um, when I write I, I think of, of guys who don't and girls who don't know God very well um, and so we really try to write lyrics that would one speak to a person who is in love with Jesus and hopefully these songs will enrich in their walk with Christ, but also someone who doesn't know God could listen to these songs and think, you know what, I can understand that. Like, that makes sense. Like, 
it's taking a scripture and just putting it in a format or a context. Like when I read Eugene Peterson's message, I'm like, this makes more sense to me. Uh, the, the writing, the art, artistry of his scripture is incredible and uh, of his interpretation of the scripture. And that's kind of what it is for us with these songs. It's like it's our interpretation of what God's saying to us through these scriptures we're reading. And I hope to write them in such a way that a person far from God could just understand who he is. And so my prayer for the album is that this would ultimately help people all over the world maybe actually start a relationship with Jesus for the first time. Anything else? Any parting words? Hmm. Could I say a little something about Creative Church? Yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, following Creative Church on Instagram and just seeing the creativity that happens amongst churches all over the world. Uh, There's something to be said about, like when you go to a secular concert or uh, something that's incredible that someone else put on that's outside the church and you go and you're like, wow, I wish the church could do this. I'm seeing it happen through Creative Church. And, and as I kind of like watch through the Instagram feed, I'm like, man, I, I actually believe the church's best days are ahead. Like if God created the same people who are doing this stuff at the secular level, uh, we can do that in the church too. In fact, because he's wired us up uniquely to be excellent and to be great at what we're doing. And I love being inspired that, by that creativity and seeing um, that feed. I'm very grateful for what Creative Church means to the Capital C Church. So. Thank you for all you guys do. Well, we definitely appreciate everything you're doing, and we cannot wait to see how everything pans out on this live album. Head over to our website, creativechurch.com, for more interviews from Christian Sagan, the producer and worship leader, and Adam Taylor, the production director. Make sure to check out the new album, Greater, on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. You can keep up with everyone on Instagram. Central Live is at Central Live. Drew is at Drew Bodine. That's Drew, B-O-D-I-N-E. Christian is at Sagum, S-A-Y-G-U-M. And Adam is at Go, period, for, period, Adam, period. And on an extra note, a special congrats to Christian and his wife Chloe on the news of a small Sagum to make an appearance in the near future. Last week, we asked you what is the most awkward thing you've ever done or said to someone. You went to our Creative Talks Facebook group and answered, here are a few of our favorites in no particular order. So Carson said, when meeting a new potential volunteer, this really cool girl covered in tattoos, uh, Carson went up, said, hey, nice to meet you. I love a girl with great, went to say tats, said something completely different, and I'm sure you can fill in the blank on that one. Brandon said, Brandon's a friend of the podcast, friend of mine. He said, at the movies, cashier, and this is something that happens to all of us. So, Brandon, you you, you get a pass for this one because I, I do it all the time, too. But cashier said, enjoy your movie. And he said, you too.
Nice. Well, this week's reply all is, what was your first job where you actually received compensation for a job you were doing? When you received money. Yes, money. Money would be compensation. (laughs) Sorry, I got all technical there. But uh, mine was, I was a, I I had two that kind of happened around the same time. I was a Sonic car hop and I also helped clean up after high school sports games. Did you wear the skates when you were a car hop? Unfortunately, they never did it while I worked there. I didn't work there for, for very long, but um, no, they never did the, the roller skates while I was there. But I did run into one of the poles while counting change. Well, I know that um, I I almost applied for Sonic whenever I was looking for a job, but I was scared to death because I can't roller skate. So I was just scared to death. I was gonna have to wear those skates, and I just—I'm <laughs> a you know six foot seven. I'd I'd kill myself. I would just I would run into a pole, or you know just do something that would just injure me horribly, horribly bad. But my first job, and I've always been kind of an entrepreneur. My first job, I was nine years old, and I did two things: I cut grass, and then with the earnings that I use, with the earnings from cutting grass. I would buy candy, I'd buy suckers, and I would sell the candy at school. That sounds like a Zootopia scam right there. <laughs> Doesn't it? Um, but it was, uh, you, you You can definitely tell you have daughters, by the way. That was a really deep Zootopia reference. Um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, that, that's all, that was my first job. I got compensated. I actually got paid pretty well. I was rolling. I mean, for a nine-year-old kid, you know, $30 a week, that's not bad. But uh, then I moved on. My first like real job where I actually had you know a boss was McDonald's. Of course, not, not nothing exciting there. Well, my boss at Sonic, he, he was uh, let's just say he was um, an enthusiast of bicycle shorts, and and um, he did not ride his bike to to work. So he was not athletic, is what you're saying? Yes, he was athletic, but he did wear the bicycle shorts. No, I am saying that he was not athletic. Oh, okay. I am confirming that that is what I am saying. So he was you know a little more to love and wearing bicycle shorts. Is that, can I? Let's just say he wanted to emphasize the love of his love handles. I'm just painting a picture for the podcast listeners. <laughs> and that was, that was pretty good. That was, okay, moving on. On that note, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap things up. Uh, there are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. If you love this show, then uh, first go ahead and subscribe. Add us to your favorite podcatcher. We release episodes also on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. And you can review the podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and people can discover this nugget of joy. And uh, please, please bear with us with that trending segment today. We just appreciate you guys and we love everything you're doing um, where you're at. Yes, um, this is like I said, this was a very unique show in the fact that you know, we, we did things a little bit differently. And um, and also keep in note that this is our only second, well, third show. And uh, we're still getting our bearings on this. So, you know, still show us love if you're like, well, it's okay. Still show us that love. But lastly, go ahead and consider sharing this episode on social media. You can also follow us on social media or like us or get involved in our community by searching our handle, Creative Church. That's one word, CRTV Church. I'm Nick Goodner. I'm Ross Montgomery. And we will see you next episode. Say I lost it, but I just tryna get it all.
Thank you for listening to the Creative Church Podcast. Creative Church exists to bring creators together. For more information, visit our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. 